So welcome to the final episode of this Livewire series and in this episode we're going to look at the fourth love. So I've called the entire series the fourth love uh, because for me this is the most important and you may not agree with that and that's not no problem really for me. Um, the whole point of this really, this series, is to um, decide if we're actually growing in love. The actual stages themselves are just a tool to help us with that. But personally, I think I can track my relationship with God in four stages. The first was uh, the fear of God. The second was the love of people. Uh, the third was the love of God. And today we're going to look at this fourth level. There's an interesting verse in scripture and it says this. The person who doesn't grow in love remains in death. Now, most places where you find that scripture, most translations say uh, a person who does not abide in love um, leads to death. Uh, but I love this idea of growing in love because I think in our relationship with God, it's never static. Our love is never staying the same. We're either moving forwards or we tend to be moving backwards. The idea is that we should be moving forward. We should be growing in our love for God. So I'm not going to say to you that this is the most important. It has been for me a uh, level of love. Uh, what I will say is that if you love God, because most people would say, well, surely just loving God for, for who he is has to be uh, the highest form of love. What I'm saying is if you do love God for who he is, then you will automatically soon fall into this kind of love. So what is the fourth love? The fourth love is the love of what God loves. The love of what God loves. Sometimes in what I do, people ask me, um, you know, is it okay to have a non-Christian boyfriend or girlfriend? And I think my question back is, why would you? If you love God, then surely you want to be with someone who also loves God as well. Um, what I've noticed is that sometimes when we fall in love with somebody, we, we tend to start to fall in love with the things that they're in love with. I first noticed this on a mountain. Uh, I was climbing uh, in the Lake District, more of a fell than a mountain. And um, when I was up there, you would see all these people, all these couples together, and I'd look at them and some of the ladies sometimes and sometimes it was the guys. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure this particular lady did not like climbing, going along the fells when she was single. But she's fallen in love with this guy and now she kind of loves to do what he does because she loves being with him. And she's beginning to love what he sees and what he experiences. And I think for me, that's the kind of uh, relationship that I've now got, I think, with the father I now not just love him, but I begin to fall in love with what he's in love with. Now, again, I'm not saying that the fourth love is uh, uh, loving the things God gives us to do. I'm saying it's loving the things that he's in love with. So that sounds a little bit trite sometimes and sounds simple, but we're going to explore what that really looks like. I think we have to remember that Jesus um, loves the Father and when Jesus came to earth, uh, even though he loves people, his primary reason was not for the love of people he came to rescue. But if we understand scripture, it was because he loved the father and that's why he came. Because the father had a vision and Jesus came to sacrifice himself 
in order for that vision. So with this in mind, we're going to look at our first workshop. Jesus called the Father's vision the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And the fourth love, therefore, is falling in love with that vision, falling in love with the idea of the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at some questions to help us begin to uh, think about this subject. At what stage of love do you think other people would see you at based on these questions? Where do you go when no one tells you where to go? What do you say when you first start a conversation? What do you do when no one can repay you in any way for what you've just done? Please put your answers under each of the pictures. So as this is a devotion, you can share what you've put down, but please don't ask for feedback at this point. You can just tell people, I suspect that people would think I'm at this stage. And when I say the stages, I'd like you just for now, just for the sake of the workshop, to use the four stages that we've been talking about in this series. Okay, I uh, hope you uh, find that helpful and uh, reflective, and I will speak to you again in a few moments. So how can we be sure of what God loves? I mean, how do we measure that? How do we, how do we allow ourselves to be directed? What, what are we pursuing when it comes to vision? Um, I think we would all agree it's not numbers in a building. I think that's just safe to say that most of us would know that God's big plan is not to get numbers in a building. Um, I think we know his big plan is not to get us all on the same page exactly as certain doctrines. You know, some people can get really caught up in the minutia of doctrine and they can suck the real life and meaning out of a passage and concentrate on something that just isn't that important. It's clear that God has left certain things open in order for us to discuss and work through. I don't think it's found in success because if you look at this picture of 9-11 and the terrible moment that the terrorists um, hijacked those planes and went into the Twin Towers, killing many, many people, you have to realise that um, I'm pretty sure in, in their world, in their community, that was seen as the hand of God guiding them. They would have seen that as a David versus Goliath kind of moment, maybe pointing to the fact that God was with them. So I think we have to be careful of thinking that success is a guarantee of what God's into and what God's behind, because you don't need God to build a successful organization or a successful church. Uh, you look at some of the cults around the world, uh, clearly success in man's sense is not the way God looks at things. It cannot be found in man's vision either. So just because you're on pays, for instance, um, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to get everything right. And I think we need another way of guiding us. We need another reference point to look at, um, to figure out what is it that God really loves. So before we do that, let me just uh, show you a short clip, because I think this is a really good example of how we can get caught up with uh, the things that are more important to us than they really are to God. Shalom Aleichem. 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 Shalom Aleichem.
היא בסדר גמור, מה הסיפור איתה? לא נשקת מזוזע! מזוזע? למה שאני נשק מזוזע? רבי, 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 אהההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההההה
other Christians around you don't do them or do them. And sometimes one of the big mistakes we make, I think, is we compare ourselves to others. So this morning I was watching a video clip of uh, Gene Wilder, who's a famous actor. If you remember, he played uh, Willy Wonka. Gene Wilder made some iconic movies when he was younger, but interestingly, in the last 25 years before his death, he made no movies at all. And so there's a fairly rare interview of him explaining why. And basically he says this, the scripts were just full of violence and in particular swearing. Hollywood changed and the morals changed and I just didn't want to get involved. That was his answer. And yet I think over the years, Christians more and more have allowed themselves to watch things that many years ago we never would have. And I think we don't feel bad, we don't, we don't uh, concern ourselves because even our leaders watch those things. And so I have a question for you. Does your Christian culture overpower your Christ conscience? I wonder when we're thinking about the things that we should pour our energy into, uh, if we're so much following another person's vision, uh, if we're so respectful of our leaders, which is a very good thing, of course, that we compare what we do to them as opposed to what Christ did. The problem is that numbers are not an excuse. In the days of Jesus, the Pharisees were getting the Jews to follow all sorts of traditions and to make them the priority of their life. And yet, at any point, the Jews could have checked with Scripture what God really said, and they didn't. They were, they were more influenced by the celebrities, the Pharisees of their day and their spiritual mentors than they were the Scripture that God had given them. And I think this is something we have to be really careful of as well. So like I say, do you have, do you have, does your conscience tell you that there's something really you need to be changing in the way you're following God, but because other people have not changed, you don't think it's a problem? I've often said, the only person you should compare yourself to is Jesus, and the only person you should compete against is yourself. So with that in mind, let's just look at another workshop. I would ask you to simply put on some music and meditate on this very simple question. What do I suspect I should alter in my relationship with God that would be alternative to the Christian culture around me? So just a simple exercise for you to think about um, and ask yourself, what would the Holy Spirit say to me? Uh, I'm sure he would say to you, if you love Jesus, then obey him. He would not say to you, if you love Jesus, obey and go with Christian culture. Take a few minutes and uh, I'll speak to you for the final section of our series, The Fourth Love. So let's remind ourselves about what's in the heart of God. Um, in, in the stage of love I am with God right now, I don't want to just get people saved because I need to see them rescued from hell. For me, that's important. Uh, but really the reason I'm making missionaries now is because I want to give God what God wants and uh, I think that's a vision of the kingdom of God. I think God is passionate about that. Jesus certainly was. So let's remind ourselves a little bit about what that really looks like. Jesus said this, and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So what is this thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else he ever talked about in scripture? 
when he had a blank slate to work with, what came out of his mouth were stories about the kingdom of heaven. And yet most Christians I've spoken to don't actually know what the kingdom of heaven really means. They would say it's somewhere you go when you die or something. But the kingdom of heaven is simply this. It is the rule, the royalty, the reign, or the realm of God. Where God is in charge, where things happen on earth as they are in heaven, that is the kingdom of of God and it's a wonderful wonderful thing so the way I illustrate this is uh, simply with a balloon so let me just uh, blow into this balloon so God breathes into us by his spirit and he puts his energy and life into us but at the same time there's a, a skin around this balloon and the thing is with this skin is this represents if you like the commands or the rules of God and most of them when you think about it have to do with us um, some of them have to do with putting God first but most of them are the way we organize ourselves and so what that does is it gives some tangibility to what God is doing in us it can be seen this invisible thing that God does in our lives can be seen in our actions to others and as God breathes into us and as his kingdom reigns more fully in our lives so uh, the, the rules are, uh, that God gives us kind of begin to affect other people. The way we act with each other affects other people. And as we grow, and as the kingdom of God grows in us, it pushes out darkness. Now, a couple of things. Um, if I was to pop this balloon, it would just uh, disappear. And some people live their lives like that. They want the, they want the experience of God. They want to feel God. Uh, they want God to breathe into them, but they don't want the boundaries and they don't build anything and they don't advance the kingdom of God. Uh, for those of us who just live by the rules, uh, by the, the, the orders and the commandments, then it's a bit like this. They don't advance the kingdom of God either because there's none of the spirit of God within us. So let me just show you a diagram that I think helps us understand God's dream. First, we see the earth. And then we see the sky uh, or the air. So in Ephesians 2 verse 2, it calls the devil the prince of the air or the ruler of the kingdom of the air. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. John 12 verse 34 says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So let me use this diagram to explain what it looks like when the kingdom of heaven advances. If you imagine an individual suddenly takes on board the Lordship of Christ, a balloon appears. And as that person is discipled, that balloon grows larger. Now what you're noticing is it's taking up space from the enemy. So the amazing thing about this, if you look at it, is that the kingdom of God is infinite but the territory of the devil in this simple diagram is finite. So every time a balloon appears and grows, God's kingdom gets bigger, but the devil's territory is reduced. It's destroyed. It's taken away from him. And he is losing ground constantly. So let's go back to the animation. Here's this Christian and they're growing and as they grow, as the kingdom of God is advanced in their life, it pushes back the work of the enemy. 
Eventually, of course, because they're growing, they lead somebody else to Christ and another balloon appears. It's smaller. But as the first Christian disciples the new Christian, the new Christian grows as well. And again, more territory of the enemy is lost. Eventually, this is multiplied as missionaries make missionaries. And one day there will be this complete whiteout, which is so exciting to think that one day what happens in heaven will happen completely on earth. So the problem comes when we lose uh, a sense of the kingdom of God and our passion for it and we just move balloons around from one church to another. When that happens, the devil's territory is not being destroyed and the kingdom of heaven is not advancing. So what if somebody leaves one church and could be more productive elsewhere? So what should it mean to me if somebody, after their commitment is fulfilled, they leave pays and they're more productive elsewhere? If they're more productive for the kingdom of God, that's great if I love the things that God loves. If I don't, then it becomes a problem to me. With that in mind, let me just show you this picture. This is a picture of my home uh, when I was in Manchester. We took a before and after picture because uh, when we first moved in, the area was really bad. There were several murders and uh, the local government decided to pour an awful lot of money into the homes to rebuild some of them uh, to make them nicer and to build parks and therefore to change the community. So they spent hundreds of thousands of pounds and six years later, it was just as bad, if not worse. This picture is not the before picture. This picture is the after picture. What they failed to do is realize they needed to be a heart transformation. And all they did was transform the superficial aspects of the community. But we need a heart transformation. My question at the end of this Livewire series to you is, does your heart need transforming? Does your love for God need to go to the next level? And what is that exactly? With that in mind, let's look at our final workshop. Please map out the growth of your love for God using the template provided and looking at my version as a simple example. Give each stage a name. And then once you've done that, please share that with those you're watching this live wire with. Hopefully you've enjoyed this series. Hopefully it's been a challenge to you. And hopefully you can see progression in your relationship with God. The great thing is repentance changes everything. And, um, you know, even if this is a defining moment for you, maybe this is the beginning of a growth and the next level in your relationship and your love for God. Let's move beyond the fear of God and even just the love of people to the love of God and to love of the things that God loves. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye.